So we're kicking off a brand new series called Family Life. So we're looking at the family and what that looks like to live out. And as soon as I say that, I know how this goes for some people because I didn't get married until I was 35 years old. And so I know some of you are like, okay, well, there's other churches in the area. Maybe I'll circle back around a few weeks, right? This isn't going to be relevant to me. So this is the, I wanted to start out by saying this because this conversation, especially beginning with today, is going to frame why a conversation on the family over the course of a few weeks is relevant to literally every single one of us, no matter what stage of life you are in. But I want to begin with the actual definition of family life. Here it is. Family life is defined as the routine interactions and activities that a family have together. Key word being routine. What are the regular, consistent interactions and rhythms of a family that they have together, right? That's going to define them. And so in this series, we want to focus on regularly doing good things as a family, beginning with this, right? In case, you know, you're in a certain stage of life, you're like, okay, I'm just going to kind of put my time in. We want to begin with the conversation today of what it means to be a part of a church that is family a church that is family. This is where we have to lay the foundation in order to properly navigate those other areas in the coming weeks. And so I grew up in the church. I know many of you did as well. And so naturally in, this, in the context of preparing this, I look back at my journey and going to church my entire life. It's a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night kind of deal, right? You're at church a whole lot. And, uh, and so that was our norm. And when I think back to, you know, my first 18 years of going to church basically all the time, it was interesting how I couldn't reflect on very many remarkable standout moments. Now you hear that and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the same way, like, well, yeah, that is, that is kind of a bummer, but it might be the same for you as well. And so when I thought back to some of the things that I remember, not only were they unremarkable, they seemed, they seemed to be kind of random. For example, I was thinking, what was the very first memory I have of church? And this is not meaningful in any way. It's completely random. I was either four or five years old. It was on Easter Sunday morning. I'm in the women's restroom with my mom and she's putting on a clip-on tie. I have no idea why that memory stands out in my mind. (laughs) Going forward, right, and this was humbling for me, you know, in, in teaching God's word on a weekly basis to reflect on, I can't remember the title of one single sermon, birth through 18, right? And again, random, for some reason, I remember one Sunday, that one of our pastors was leaving and we played the song or they sang the song friends are friends forever by michael w smith i'm like i get that that was special right in that moment but looking back it's kind of random so here's the thing and maybe you're the same when you reflect back and like okay why is it important to go every single week to church to gather together and oftentimes expect the remarkable and standout moments and hopefully you have some of those and i have some of those you know day i was baptized and you know certain things that happen you know mission trips and and within some of the youth services things like that but what's interesting when we think about the way that our faith Uh, is formed in the way that we spiritually mature, if we get caught up on anticipating and looking for the remarkable, we'll fail to realize that God, in the way that he forms us, he actually does it in the regular, the routine, the disciplined, unremarkable ways that we continue to show up to him in the form of gathering. Now, take that a step further. When you reflect back on what has impacted you the most, maybe there will be some standout worship services, church gatherings, and I hope that there are, But what I'm guessing for many, if not all of us, when we look back at our faith journey at what formed us the most, there are going to to be people's names attached to that formation. 
That's what made church, church. So I reflect back, I think of my youth minister, Mike Dugan. It wasn't just him organizing youth services you know, at the church. It was us weekly gathering as guys at his house, right? Doing life together. My best friend, Jeremy Culver, us being you know, connected, encouraging each other, making each other better. My friend, Jared Cordes, him and I leading the youth group, right? And, and being in a position where we could have a sense of ownership, even at a young age within the church. There's gonna be names attached. Why? You already get this, because church is not, to meant, to, is not meant to be an event. We're, we're making it way too small if we reduce church to merely a service that we attend to that we hope to get something out of, and we're looking some, for some kind of emotional high that can happen, and we pay attention to that, and that's, that's not, not a bad thing at all. But church is not meant to be an event. Church, the fullness of church, is being a fa- part of a family aimed at Christ. And so when we gather, we understand we're surrounded by other people who are aiming their lives at Christ, and we get to be a family. Now, this is an interesting conversation, especially as we continue to grow across services, campuses. You're like, okay, it's, I don't think that's functionally possible, and so there's going to take an extra level of intentionality, but this is the goal. We're not going to compromise that ideal goal, regardless of how many people are coming. But again, when we expect the church to be a remarkable experience, week in and week out, we reduce it to merely an event or service that we attend as opposed to a family we belong to. So we show up and we don't know everybody, but they're still family. And so sometimes we anticipate big, defining, memorable moments that are exciting. And we miss out on what God is doing underneath the surface of things and wanting to connect us to other people and what he's doing through the discipline of continuing to show up for the sake of him and his glory. Now, we're going to parallel this a lot, church as a family, with our actual family, because I think it's, we see that in Scripture. So I want us to think about for a second the difference in the expectation you have for church, sometimes maybe, than for your own family. For example, as a family, you probably are already anticipating the next uh, vacation you're going to take together. Opportunity to make a significant memory, right? Circle that date on the calendar. You're looking forward to that. And oftentimes, you know, we kind of live for the weekend or we live for the next, you know, adventure and we miss out on the everyday, the richness of that routine, right? And so we miss out on the opportunity of what really impacts us the most, the everyday reality of being there for each other, taking care of, of one another. I experience this often when I meet with families and planning a funeral service. And so typically they'll come into my office and I'll ask them to share about the loved one that, that they've lost and and just tell stories and describe that person. I tell them, I'll, just, I'll take a lot of notes, you know, while you're, you're just continuing to share about them. And they'll immediately jump into what they loved specifically about that person, their characteristics, um, the moments that they shared together, uh, and a lot of those kind of mundane moments along the way. And most of the time, I'll end up asking the question, did they have any favorite like vacation spots? that they like to, to go to, you know, regularly or, or whatever. And they'll, almost every single time, the family will answer as if it's a total side note. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we vacationed here, and, you know, we, we like to do that. And so maybe I need to stop asking the question. Maybe I'm trying to force the issue because, like, well, it's not the main thing. That's not what made their relationship rich. It was everyday life together. And so never have, have I planned out a service where the family, when I've asked them, how do you want me to celebrate and let people know you want this person to be remembered, never have they said, I want you to start with, they really loved Florida. Right? <laughs> you see, this is interesting because as we live our lives, 
we think what defines the significance of our lives are those big moments. And we make great memories, and right, we get, we get the, the pictures, right, to prove it, and we reflect back, like, that was awesome, that was awesome, but the richness was found in everyday life together. And we realize that oftentimes too late, unfortunately. Like, wow, those mundane moments, right? We thought they might have been throwaway days, but that was life together. See, the richness of family is everyday life together because the discipline of love is reflected in connection and care. So we're going to talk about specifically being church as a family. The discipline of love reflected in connection and care. So what, what is church, right? If you're a first-time guest, this, I hope, is the, the best possible message you could hear. What is church? Well, the dictionary gets it wrong. If you started, you know, I don't know anybody that's you know, looked up church in the dictionary as a way to find a good church, but the dictionary gets it wrong when they say it's a building used for public Christian worship. That's really boring, isn't it? But we, we all say that, like, I'm going to church. And so we reduce church to a place as opposed to a people that we gather with, right? We've had church at the park. We had church because the people were there. It's never going to be reduced to merely a building. See, if church gets reduced to merely a service we attend, then we miss out on the opportunity for connection and care, which is essential to growing up in Christ. Here's what we see in Ephesians chapter 4. And keep in mind, as you know, we share different scriptures, especially if you know, you're familiar with, with the Bible and, and, and certain scriptures, oftentimes we fail to uh, remember that the author is writing to a specific church, right? the, the, the local church. Right? This isn't just good advice. It's a letter to a specific church. So Ephesians 4, read this. So Christ, gave, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, all of these different roles. Why? Here it is, verse 12. To equip his people for works of service. Right? We're pushing meaning and purpose out. Right? That's what our leadership does because everybody has a role to play based on their giftedness. Here it is. So that the body, that's us, the family of Christ, may be built up, verse 13, right? This is the pathway, until we all reach unity, it's connectedness, in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's a lot more we could say. This is a message in and of itself, but I want to point out the fact that we can't detach uh, gathering together being connected from maturity. We can't gain maturity in our faith through isolated means. So the New Testament was written in Greek, and the Greek word for the church is ekklesia. You break that word into two different parts. It means to be called out of. So the actual definition of the church, the word ekklesia, means to be called out. And so the church is a people who have been called out of the world, essentially, and into a family, a family they belong to. And so we show up and we don't gather for the same reason that we go to concerts or we go to sporting events. And it's not something that we observe. It's something that we participate in and understand that we're surrounded by people who are family. That's God's ideal design. So Jesus calling out of us, out, us out of the world, right? We're separating ourselves, saying, no, if I go the way of the world, if I go to the way of my instinct, which is selfishness, and try to build my own life based on how I want to do that, then I'm not going to get to where God wants me to get. And so I show up every single Thursday or Sunday as a way to posture myself towards surrender. God, I'm, I'm here, not for me, but primarily for you, surrendering my life, reminding myself and you, my life belongs to you. And I get to do this in the context of family. So hopefully you found a family to belong to. And hopefully you understand the goal is never individual salvation. 
So this is, this is important to understand, right? And so maybe you, you've read your Bible before you've ever came to church or you came to church first. Either way, you found out that we all have sin in our lives and that is a separate, that's separating us from God himself. We hear about the good news, the grace of Jesus Christ dying on a cross. Now we can have a relationship with him. That's good news because now I can have eternal life with him as opposed to eternal separation from him. Yes, hopefully we all want that. We wanna do everything we can to choose that, but that's not the end or the fullness of our faith. It's not transactional, that's the beginning. So nowhere in scripture does God communicate the primary aim is individual salvation. That word personal, that phrase personal savior, we've probably all used at some point, is nowhere in scripture. And so when we choose Christ, we're choosing his family as well. So when somebody makes that decision, right, the picture of that, the visual, is baptism. That's a declaration of someone's internal decision, right, their heart being surrendered to Jesus Christ. But no, that baptism doesn't just represent individual salvation. It's about becoming part of the body of Christ. That's why when it happens in the service, I'll have people look out and say, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is your family. Romans chapter 12, verse four, for just as each of us has one body with many members, an arm, leg, head, and these members do not all have the same function. Notice this, verse five. So in Christ, we though many form one body. We're all connected. And each member belongs to all the others. Now you might like that phrasing or not. (laughs) That's what you're signing up for. What, we're signed up for availability to each other to the sense, to the extent of belonging. Verse five in the message translation says, each of us finds our meaning and function as part of his body. So those, those of us that are part of a life group understand that, man, as I'm living life out connected to other people, it brings to the surface clarity and vision when it comes to my own meaning and purpose and next steps in life that I can take more confidently. Because there's a reason why we can't get to that place of clarity on our own. It's not God's design. And so we live in a day and age where it's easy for people to claim Christ, but not as people. People say, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I, I love Jesus, but you know, I'm just not interested in church. This was never God's design for those two things to be completely separate. And so we live in a day and age where you can, it's easy to be isolated in your faith, to sit at home and watch worship services, which is a good option, right? Two weeks ago, you know, you know delay. It's like, okay, we can put that online. Uh, or, you know, pick your favorite, you know, preacher on the internet and just watch him. Right? Those, are, those are good things as well, but that's, that's not the fullness of what God has in mind. We cannot claim Christ and avoid his people. Because if we've claimed that God is our father, Jesus is our savior, then God's sons and daughters are our family. It gets messy, <laughs> right? We're not always gonna like each other, get along with each other. We're gonna annoy each other. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago and considering sign up for a small group, it's a huge risk at times because you're not gonna know these people in the first meeting. You're like, oh, I'm not sure if I can see myself being friends with them. But it can get messy, it can get complicated because we're all different and we're all broken. But showing up routinely, consistently, God shapes us because we're connected to other people. Because church is never just a service we attend, but a family we belong to. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, another uh, church, local church that was written to. Verse 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. So again, this is why I think this is the best message for a first time guest to hear because you think that maybe, all right, what are the steps? Right? It seems like nice people, seems like a place I might be interested to. How long is it gonna take me for really, to really be connected? 
Well, according to God's design of the church, it's like one visit today. He says you belong already right now, regardless of your journey. You don't have to earn your way into acceptance, right? And if you ever had, ever, have ever had that kind of church experience, they got it wrong. I would like to think that we get it right most of the time. See, all of us, no matter what, every single one of us, all of us make each of us better for the sake of Christ. We do. We get to refine each other. Together we accomplish the purposes of God. Now, fortunately, I've experienced the blessing of a local church family now for uh, 17 and a half years. I've been on staff here at First Church. And before I stepped into this role, I was uh, at the Union Campus, Union Campus pastor for three years and just week in and week out doing life with those people and just a rich sense of community. And so I always love when Emily and I can, can get back there, uh, you know, if, if it affords the opportunity. And so last Sunday after services, there was a lunch uh, for the ministry leaders uh, to welcome Gary Clark, the new campus pastor. And it's, it's always a, an interesting feeling when we go back and, and see everybody. It's this feeling of being back home. That's really what it feels like. Oh, like we spent three years week in and week out. Now we love everybody, right? Burlington Camp has been in this role for two and a half years. And so we're blessed to know and get close to a lot of people across both campuses. But because those ministry leaders have been a part of that campus for so long, there was this sense of belongingness. These aren't people that we go to church with, they're, they're family. And so at the lunch, it was, it was interesting to just kind of reflect back on, you know, some of the things that happened in just our three years there. And some of the, again, when you reflect back on your own faith journey, a lot of times it's not the remarkable, it's the unremarkable. And even the random, the things in the moment, you're like, this isn't that big a deal. But reflecting back, that's the richness. Here's what I mean. Uh, when I was, I got married when I was 35, and so this was just a few years ago, the Union Campus, before we got married, uh, threw a man shower for me. Now, that's weird, right? Like, that's just, that even sounds awkward to say, right? And it really is going to be very weird and very awkward if you don't know the people. So the fact that they would even have that idea and then throw that kind of party where they're, you know, handing out man stuff, like here's a tool belt and, you know, here's some stuff you're going to need, and, right? you know, for the sake of that. And normally the guy's like, yeah, I'm good. You don't, don't need anything shower related. Just tell me when the wedding day is and I'll be there for that. But that was, that's a memory. Like that seems pretty random, but like, that's the way that we feel special when people go above and beyond. Last week after uh, the lunch was over, uh, Dylan Jensen, who's the admin there and was when I was still there, um, whenever we have uh, luncheons like that, she'll typically make guacamole. And it's fantastic. It's amazing. And I've known this, right, for five plus years now. And she made guacamole last Sunday. And so afterwards, she had some leftover guacamole. So here's this moment in the room after lunch. Most people have left. And there's Dylan with a container of guacamole. I'm standing there. And the new campus pastor, Gary Clark, is standing there. Past meets present, right? What's going to go down? And Dylan knows how much I love it. And I wish I could stand here and say that I am a selfless person who said, Gary, I want you to experience the blessing of guacamole. I did not say that. I said, I said, Gary, you get it next time. And so somebody asked me after 930, did you eat all the guacamole? I was like, that's barely even a question. Like we, I took the guacamole home. He got, he got cookies, right? He's got kids. They should be happy. It's all good, but... That's, that's totally random, but that's the, right? And all of us have stories, right? As we look back on the people who have meant the most to us, and sometimes the richness is found in just the mundane, random, routine moments of just doing life together. That's no accident. This is how God has designed us. 
And so one of the primary ways he prepared, God prepared Emily and I to step into this position is that pathway of growing in love and faith through the local church family. So this is one of the reasons why we still encourage membership, inviting people to place membership in this specific church family as a way to be all in, saying these are the the, the people that I want to be family and I want to go through life with. Now, membership, right, again, if you're a first-time guest, this hopefully is going to be helpful. It's not a command in Scripture, right, and there's other churches that don't have membership, but we do see it as a frequent example throughout of this opportunity of responsibility for connection and care that leads to the building up of the body of Christ. And so that word ecclesia in Scripture, you're gonna, you, you would see it 114 times. 90 times that word church is used is in context of the local church. It's a big deal. And so if somebody's interested in being a member, you're signing up for the exact opposite of what it might be in other avenues of life. Right, whether it's some kind of country club or uh, the other place where you get you place membership and you have dues, it's all about privileges. All right, now that I'm signed up to be a member, what do I get? Signing up to be a part of a, a member of a church family is anticipating opportunities to be all in, which is going to be signing up for being a gift in each other's lives, which is why we encourage being connected in a life group. We encourage people to serve, right, to use your gifts. Right? That's our responsibility as staff is to help people realize the gifts and step into that to give right, as a way to advance God's kingdom and express our faith in him. And so I love the correlation because to be a member of the church family is similar to being a member of your own church family, right? It's this connectedness, this closeness that creates opportunities for care for each other. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. You might be familiar with the scripture. I was as well. One thing I read for the, I believe the very first time in one commentary, it said that this is one of the best ways, one of the primary ways to imitate Christ himself. In the NIV translation, instead of the word bear, they use the word carry. We show up as a church family to aim to carry each other whenever necessary as we're going through the valley. I saw this play out uh, in, in a beautiful way with the Allen family. We hated that reality that they navigated. And uh, last year, they lost their two-year-old son to cancer, right? And so we prayed over Brody, and we walked with them through that. We wanted a different reality. They live in Coleraine. Many of you have heard the story, but they decided to start attending First Church right after he got diagnosed because they had a family connection, and they knew that we walked well with people. I love that that's become one of our primary reputations. And so they've been making the drive from Coleraine since that time. But I'll never remember, I'll never forget one uh, conversation I had with him. You know, it's like, Todd, we're here for you. We want to walk well with you. We want to be there for you in whatever way that you need. He said, Darren, I want to let you know that you guys have carried us. And I would have never used that word. It didn't actually feel like that. I'm like, I don't know if we've done that much. But from, from how he felt and the way that it received that level of care, he said, you've carried us. Now, that, let me be clear. That's not the church going above and beyond. It's not. That's the church being the church. That's normal. That's everyday reality. And so when you're in the valley, you should never be there alone because we're family. That means no one walks through life alone if you're part of a church family. No one dies alone. Hospital rooms are full. Homes are frequented because we walk with each other throughout life to the end of our lives because we're family. So if you've never made that that step of, you know, you've been coming to First Church, you know, for a little while and you're like, okay, 
I like these people well enough. I've had a pretty good experience and God's brought you to the point where you're like, I want to be all in. And so one, about once a year, we'll put these membership forms in front of you. That is today. And uh, so here at the Burlington campus, Union campus, it's that bright green form that you can't miss. And uh, if you want to say, hey, I'm all in. The only requirement for membership here is that someone is uh, baptized by immersion. Why? Because we're not a social club. And so some people, right? And I don't think it happens too often, but some people might show up and they like the people and they like what happens here. And they're like, well, it's just fun, fun place to go and to hang out and miss completely the point. And so that's why baptism by immersion is the only requirement because people need to say, we all need to say, I belong to Christ first. Right? I'm placing my life in his hands. And then understanding that we're not meant to go through this life alone and choosing a local church family. So if you want to take that step today, you can just fill that out in the service, place in the offering bowl when it goes through or take it out to the welcome center. Let me also say that uh, many people, right? We have a lot of people coming to every single week and every single service. We have a first time guest. A lot of people move into town. They start their church search, bounce around the community. I love that we're in a community, Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati that has a lot of great church families. And so maybe this is the first church you've checked out. Maybe you've never even been to church before and you're like, yeah, it's not what I expect. I'm not really into it. I would consider worst case scenario, you having that mindset and then giving up already. I would encourage you if for whatever reason, you know, you're not jiving, you know, with what happens here, you don't feel connected. There are a lot of great churches, local churches in this area. Here's the no compromise area though. Make sure it's a church that uh, loves the Bible, right? It's Bible-believing. It's grounded in the Bible. That is the foundation for all teaching, and it's a Christ-following church. That's a no-compromise area. It should go without saying, but we have to be very clear about that. But I love that there are great local church families here, and I don't want you to give up that church search because that's what God has in mind for you as the ideal, to be all in wherever you find yourself. I hate that too many people are intimidated by the church. It's difficult to make that invite. And a lot of people, even though they know that you are sincere and that, they, that you like them, right? And you believe in them and you are grace-filled. They have different uh, perspectives about the church, maybe based on past experience. So they're intimidated by even coming to the church at all. They think that maybe they have to get themselves together, right? Oh man, you don't know my past. You don't know my journey. There's no way, man, that church will burn down since I walked in. Some people actually say that, right? You know, it's, it's an unfortunate reality. They think they got to you know, dress up. They got to pretend like they have it all together. They believe they're going to be amongst pretentious people. This is one of the things that I love about our church culture. I believe it's disarming. I believe people are surprised in the best way possible. When they see us, we're not putting on an act. We're broken people as well, not trying to pretend like we have it all together. Right? Kids are scattered, whatever it might be. It's like, oh, okay. There's people trying to get through life as well. And I can relate to that. That's a big deal. It's no small thing. So again, I equate it with uh, the actual family. Unfortunately, I grew up in a home where my mom and dad were very grace-filled, and I made many mistakes over the years and uh, said things that I regretted. But never once did I make a mistake to the extent that they were like, that's it, you've reached your threshold. We told you 500 mistakes and you're out. Or, I'm sorry, that's so big of a mistake. We just can't do this anymore. There's the door. Don't come back, right? I don't care that you're 10 years old. Like, that's it, right? We've been very clear. That never happened. And that, right? we, we, that, we overlook the beauty of that, but why? Because they're family. They never give up on me. They're always gonna be there for me, no matter what I do. They're gonna want better for me. They're gonna get frustrated along the way, but they're always gonna be my mom and dad welcoming back, welcoming me back and helping me get to a better place. 
And so it is with the church. That is, that should be the ideal. And so we gather every single week, really to showcase God's grace. We look around, we all have a story of brokenness to a certain degree. And so we're all pictures reflecting God's great grace that has transformed us. See, our imperfection, all of us have imperfections, it shines a light on God's great work of transformation. So we consider it a privilege to get to be the church. God looks at us like that, and we, get, we should be looking at each other in the same way. Broken people pointing other broken people to a God who says, I've come to make you whole. And so when we gather regularly as a church, it's this process, this refining, right? The big word, sanctification of God making us whole. Now I want to spend the last five or six minutes kind of setting up a bridge for the rest of the series. Here's why. Because again, right, I understand I've walked this, right? Beans, maybe you're single on one side, widowed on the other, never married, whatever it is. But whenever we talk about marriage and parenting, and we will, and we're even going to talk about what it means to be, you know, single and, and navigating, you know, family life. Whenever we talk about marriage and parenting, though, this is a conversation for all of us, whether we are married or are a parent at all. Because to be a part of a church family is to choose to be connected to those we can nurture and be nurtured by. Many of you have lived this out as you've been all in and you've served. It's the power of being a Sunday school teacher, a youth leader, part of a small group, even within this service, right? Once a year, we have child dedication in the service for a very specific reason I'm going to mention here in a couple of minutes. So at the Burlington campus and the Union campus, right, there might be some extra noises. And so because we all understand that we're part of this church family, if you don't have kids, the first instinct when you hear like maybe a baby cry or a noise made like, oh, I'm glad I don't have kids or I wish they'd take care of that kid. Instead, understanding that's my family too, right? It, cha- our mi- it changes our mindset, our perspective when we have interruptions, right, to our everyday living. Like, okay, that's, that's part of my family, right? We're in this together. In 1 Timothy 1, chapter 2, we see Paul himself write to Timothy as his true child in the faith. So let me close with just a couple, couple get specific here just for a second. Author Russell Moore, he puts it pretty directly. He says, there's no such thing as a Christian without children. He said, you are part of the church, the household of God, a household into which God brings children. He said, you either treat those children as part of your responsibility, as part of the body of Christ, or you will treat those children as at least as far as you are concerned, orphans. That's pretty strong language, right? And so when we experience maybe that interruption, extra noise, are we drawing in or are we drawing back, right? We're signing up, right? If we're choosing to be a part of a church family to embrace each other for better or for worse and always both. And so these parents that are dedicating their children today, they're gonna get a Bible, right? because that's your primary instruction manual for all of life, for the rest of your life. They're also gonna get a jar of marbles, 18 marbles specifically. One for every year, right? Birth through 18 when they become an official adult, whether you consider them to be an actual adult or not, that's a different story. And many of you have already lived this out, right? Probably half the church has told Emily and I, you know, in the last eight months of having Levi, don't blink. It's gonna be a blur, right? And, you, and we'll, we'll say the same thing one day. And so you understand the sense of urgency being on the other side of that, right? Your, your jar of marbles essentially is, is empty, right? Empty nest. But these, these parents are going to be coming forward at both campuses here, going to get these jar of marbles to communicate the sense of urgency. So every year they'll take one marble out. They can visually see how much time they have left to be a primary influencer, shaper in their, their kid's life. But it's also a reminder 
But if they're part of a church family, they're never meant to do it alone. And they should never feel like they're having to do it alone. We walk alongside them to influence their kids in the best way possible. See, if we miss out on connecting the generations that exist within our church family, we miss out on the primary opportunity for making disciples, which is helping each other grow up in our faith. And again, this is what I love in a church of almost 55 years old now. We have a lot of people in literally every single stage of life, right? So if you, church planning is great, but one of the downsides of church planning is you start out with a lot of young people, right? And you got 30-some-year-old elders, which isn't necessarily a, a terrible thing, but there's richness in community where we have a lot of opportunity for people to build into each other. What I especially love is how often uh, we overlook the reality that all generations naturally want that integration. There's a book called Growing Young. It's real heavy on research, uh, specifically with ages 15 to 29. Our family ministry team is reading this book. I read it last year and recommended it to them. Here's what, here's what the research found. I love this. As young people are choosing a church, warm community is often a stronger draw than belief. When we asked, they said, when we asked what keeps people involved in their church, the highest response was personal relationships. You may think young people are staying because of beliefs, but it's more often about finding an experience that feels like family. For teenagers and emerging adults, depth of relationship opens the door to deeper exploration of belief. They said first relationship, then formation. First belonging, then belief. And eventually they say these blend into one fluid movement. We might want it to be different. We might want to make it as easy as here's what we believe. Here's our doctrine. Therefore you respond to that and now we're a church family. But what's happening intuitively, instinctively is people are gonna go where they're naturally accepted. (laughs) These people like me. They want to be in relationship with me. Now there's also a scary side to this, isn't there? Because if someone finds a group of people in a church context that isn't grounded in the Bible, that isn't even following Christ, they could go off the rails very quickly. We see this at the middle school age especially. Your kids that gravitate to a certain peer group, right? they might not even have the same interests or hobbies. It just happened to be the group of people that accepted them first. So then you have to navigate that in less than ideal order. Last thing I want to mention as far as the research they found, very interesting. And this reflects what we already have in place here. Research has found that involvement in all church worship during high school is more consistently linked with mature faith in both high school and college than any other form of church participation. This, this was fascinating to me. And I, I probably I wouldn't have instinctively gotten there. But this is not, let me be clear, it's not about the extraction of information. We could have a youth service every single week for these high school students. And they could get you know, relevant information to them. And so it's primarily not about them being here and hearing what I'm teaching now. It's about consistently showing up and gathering as a church family, as a community, knowing that we all matter, knowing that we're all connected. And so that's why we have high schoolers attend the the church service that is for all of us. Now, we're getting ready to get into a time of child dedication, which is such a rich time. And we're going to have this time of blessing for parents and their child. What that means, a blessing, is to commit another to the good purposes of God. We get to do that. The dedication of these kids by their parents is a recognition and a declaration that their child doesn't belong to them, but to God. That's a big step of faith, isn't it? For them to stand up here and do that. But this time is also a reminder to us as their church family that the raising up of these children is not solely up to the parents, but to all of us as well. It's a privilege, isn't it? 
It's going to get messy. It's going to get frustrating. It's going to get annoying. But we're saying, I'm in it. I'm here. I'm letting you know that I'm here for you, not for a service, not for a child dedication time, but for as long as we get to be church family together, I'm available to serve you, to help you, to encourage you. That's a big deal.